When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to the Beaver Sports Podcast, presented by the Fearless Campaign in partnership with Toyota. Here are your hosts, Mike Parker and John Warren. Hi again, everybody. Welcome into this week's edition of the Beaver Sports Podcast. Mike Parker, along with John Warren, we will welcome Dr. Mary Budke as a very special guest in this week's edition here in a moment, presented in part by Oregon State and BECU. They have teamed up to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Title IX this year. The campaign focuses on celebrating the stories of the many great women student-athletes at Oregon State throughout the years. You can hear all of these stories at osubeavers.com. We have the honor of engaging in one of those great stories uh, who was honored with her 1975 Oregon State golf team as part of the Hall of Fame induction ceremonies this past September. Uh, on campus. It is an honor to welcome Dr. Mary Budke to this week's podcast, part of that 75 team with a tremendous story to tell of her own career. Mary, thank you for taking time today. How is your life uh, down in Palm Springs as we come to you on this podcast? Oh, I have a pretty wonderful life. <laughs> um, living, Actually living on the golf course of Mission Hills Country Club, which mm-hmm. is where they Used to have the dinosaur tournament uh, uh, for the LPGA. <laughs> they had their last one last uh, year, okay. but uh, I live in a home on Mission Hills Country Club and um, play. Still play a lot of golf, enjoy the weather, and uh, have a pretty sweet life. There's a lot of things we want to get to, and kind of working back from uh, being, you know, born, growing up uh, in Dayton, and 
playing a nine-hole course in Dundee. I want to get to all of that here in a moment, but let's start sort of with the more immediate and this year's Hall of Fame ceremonies at Oregon State and you coming back with many other honorees. What was it like, Mary, to come back to campus and to be recognized that way with your teammates and other great stories and student-athletes uh, at Oregon State in those early years? Well, it it's really it's fun to uh, re meet uh, people, and it, it's you know I mean it's, you just start right in where you left off in a way. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I wasn't actually at this one. I I did speak at a Title IX thing uh, three or four years ago, but if I wasn't there. I did receive the award. Okay. Um, and talked to a number of people who I had played both basketball and uh, volleyball with, and uh, of course golf. But uh, the golf, uh, I was kind of a. There were two of us in the national collegiate as freshmen when I was a freshman, and Emily Hogan, who was a wonderful basketball player was the other player, and uh, so I talked with her as well, kind of in, in all of this. So uh, as well as as of my junior year, that makes uh, 70, uh, five, well, about five, um, that uh, Risa Alexander, mm -hmm. Risa Lepkowski, who went on to be the, a kind of a long-time golf coach. So she was on my team as well. So also spoke with her. So it was great. We appreciate you taking time to visit with us about that. There's another honor in the more immediate before we kind of dive into your own amazing story. But congratulations to you to not only be recognized as part of the, the Title IX celebration at Oregon State, but the 2023 Pac-12 Hall of Honor has included you representing Oregon State in women's golf, Dr. Dr. Mary Budke, our guest. And to receive that recognition, you've been in other uh, halls of fame, have been inducted into the Oregon Sports Hall of Fame, the Oregon Golf Hall of Fame, both of those recognitions in 1991. But now here comes the conference to welcome you. Are you going to be able to attend that? And what, is, I, I am. what does that yes. mean to you? Yes, and it is uh, March it's Friday, March 4th. I, it's the Friday, I think. Okay. It's during the semi... It's the Pac-12 Women's Basketball mm -hmm. Tournament is in Las Vegas. And um, I think our little ceremony is in the afternoon before the semifinal games on Friday. So, yes, I will be attending. And very excited about that. I very just extremely honored by Oregon State selecting me as uh, the rep for that. And um, so, yes, I'm really excited. I have a number of friends coming. And Good. Of course, it doesn't hurt to have it at Vegas. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Mary, it's, it's a pretty good draw right. in, in general. And I think it's wonderful. It's a, in basketball is like one of my great loves. Um, I was never tall enough or fast enough, but I could shoot mid-range pretty mm -hmm. well and 
play as a freshman. Well, you were so, you were such a pioneer playing basketball, playing volleyball, but dominating in golf, especially in juniors and and amateur golf before moving on and getting uh, you know the championship and and everything that you did. So of course Oregon State's going to to nominate you. But how special is it, Mary, that this year will be the first year in the Pac-12 conference that all the honorees are women, and that's to uh, commemorate the 50th year of Title IX. It is, and that, that's uh, that. Whoever was thinking that through, I think it's just very, very special for me and all the uh, the women being honored. So that will be part of the excitement. It's just simply meeting them. I knew of Seal Berry, who is a longtime University of Colorado. Uh, basketball coach, and she's being honored by uh, University of Colorado. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really neat that it's all women, and it will be, you know, around the Pac-12 women's basketball tournament. So uh, it's pretty sweet. Mary, and I intend to savor it. You should. Well-deserved, and congratulations. So you grew up in Dayton. Your parents had a drugstore in Dayton. How, as a young person, without before Title IX, I mean, there weren't as many paths and avenues in terms of collegiate scholarships and opportunities to compete at the collegiate level. But it sounds as though you fell in love with sports and played with sport, played sports anyway at a pretty young age. Tell us a little bit about your background in Dayton when you fell in love and started to play these sports. Um, well, happily. Uh my parents, actually my whole family, I have two older brothers, and my folks all attended Oregon State and graduated from Oregon State. My folks met in pharmacy school, um, both pharmacists, and they, they bought a, well, basically started the drugstore in Dayton. My brothers were, one was quite a good, at, you know, three sports. And um, and I idolized my brothers. Um, they're in college when I start the first grade. Mm. So um, and I I loved Oregon State. And then Terry Baker was I must have gotten ten autographs of Terry <laughs> Baker on the ramp coming up. And we would attend the football and basketball. Go to, I don't know if you ever heard of Wagner's Restaurant in Corvallis. Yeah, that's yeah, you know that, our time. That, that does predate <laughs> well, us, so, but that was a hangout, well, huh? Terry Baker also played basketball. Right. And uh, after the basketball games were over, they would always go to dinner at Wagner's Restaurant. So we would go and watch the team go by, mm -hmm. watch the game. So I, I was a sports nut very young, and... Uh, Went to a lot of the games, um, played tackle football with the neighbor boys <laughs> in the front yard and mm -hmm. hit baseball. And my dad had little pane windows so that if we broke the windows, it, it would be easy to replace. So, <laughs> um, he, he, my folks, um, were so wonderful. There was no, no limiting thing. Anything I wanted to do, they would try to make that happen and, so I grew up on a little nine-hole golf course and loved that I could do that by myself hmm. um, and got to play like in an 
Oregon Junior when I was 12, and and I was hooked. So at that at that age, was it a walking distance? Did you have to cart the clubs on your bike to get to the the golf course and do that oh, on your no, own? No, no, they they drove me out. It was probably five miles from town. So no, they would drive me out, but they would leave me there. You know, in the summer, I'd spend all day there and uh, play and practice and hang out with the kids and and do stuff. And um, it was a great, great way. I mean, for any golfer, young golfer, it, it's. I think it's so much better to grow up on a pro- public golf course where you can play any time as opposed to sometimes at private clubs you kids can only play after whatever time and, and have to be with their folks or whatever. This, this was a wonderful way for me to grow up and play uh, other sports and, and then also to play golf. So, And huh? then I met with some success, and I just got hooked on on competing. Yeah, and that was the question I was going to ask you, Mary. Mary Budke, our guest on this week's Beaver Sports Podcast, and that is, you know, were your parents golfers? How did you even first gravitate to the sport? Your brothers, your parents? I mean, how did you get to this course in Dundee in the first place? Well, um, we all started at the same time. So my folks and I started at the same time. And I, I think my dad and just thought, well, let's try that and see, see if, she, <laughs> if it's a take. And, and so... Um, you know, he introduced it to to me, and the pro there was always he owned the golf course, was a class A professional, did the greenskeeping, and was a dear friend, and taught me and uh, let me play all the time, whenever. And um, uh, so I, you know, I think my dad introduced me, and it was an immediate take. So. Mary, did you did you have formal training where there was a, a piece where your phone skipped out, or was this self-taught? I mean, because you were highly successful from the early age on, obviously. Um, I had a teacher at the course who was a professional. Um, I was somebody who would copy a lot. I, you know, particularly liked. Well, of course, Arnold Palmer, but uh, Jack Nicholas. So I would copy, and I would have my dad take film and um, work on it that way, read, read the magazines. And so I learned quite a bit that way. But also the, the pro there said, I think she could do well, and if... Uh, he, he said, a teacher, I would give you if he was still alive, was Chuck Condon, but he's not. So I think you should go see a man named Bunny Mason, Gene Bunny Mason. He passed away about four or five years ago. And he became my formal teacher uh, all through my teenage years. Mary, when you the great run that you had, you won the first Oregon amateur title in 1971, won 32 consecutive amateur tournaments in one stretch, the U.S. amateur title in 1972. So you, as you said, you, you had success, and John talked about it right from the start. What do you remember most about that amateur title in 72? How, how great of a thrill that was. Where was that event? 
the event was in St. Louis okay. uh, at St. Louis Country Club in August. Um, hot. It was hot. And that is like 95 degrees <laughs> yeah. heat and 95 percent humidity. Mm -hmm. And I had played volleyball and basketball that fall. I was probably in as good a shape as I was ever going to be. And the, you know, you have double rounds sometimes for matches, and then the final is a double round, 36 holes. So it's a, it's really a physical marathon. So being young at 18, that helped, and also being in shape. Um, I had wanted to, the only tournament I had ever really, really wanted to win was the U.S. Junior Girls. And I came close. I lost in the semis twice. Um, but then I was graduating from high school, and I told my folks I would really like to try to make the Curtis Cup team, which is an international team of Great Britain and Ireland against the United States. And you do well, you do that by doing well in the U.S. Amateur. But the week before, I had made the decision to go into medicine, mm -hmm. like my brother. Mm. And that's what I remember most. I had made the decision that that's what I wanted to do. And I think in some ways that freed me to to win. Mm. Uh, because I'd already, I didn't, I didn't have to, in my mind, my parents never put that on me, but I had to kind of legitimize all the money and time put by winning things and once I made the decision what I was going to do with my life I think it freed me to to win and, and it, it remains the most special of all for me. Was that then the last and then you started to go into medicine? Well I, then I went into pre-med at Oregon State. Oh, there you so, go. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and so then I did play you know I played golf uh, and probably the other thing that I won the National Collegiate in 1974 when I, in my junior year. So that was not NCAA at the time, but it was the AIAW. Mm -hmm. so, so that was my other national title in 74. And that was not match play. That was stroke play. That was something I was really, really proud of. Too. Where was where was that event, the AIAW? I A W. That was at Singing Hills in San Diego. Okay, little better, uh, uh, more pleasant conditions, I would imagine, than what you persevered in through St. Louis. Yes. yes. And what about the Curtis Cup in '74 as well, where that took place? You were part of a winning team against Britain and Ireland. What was that like? Oh, that's the most fun I've ever had because I just, you know, so admired my team and to be part of these players who I had known and admired um, and then have the fun of that. Um, it was at San Francisco Golf Club, okay. and um, that, which was is a wonderful course. Right? It's, it's not as well known as the Olympic Club, but it's as good a golf course. And Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. 
Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. That, that was that was so much fun. And you get these clothes, and you know, I never got <laughs> stuff. Uh, certainly, we didn't do that in college. We didn't get equipment. We didn't get money. We didn't get anything well, really. And you were, but we did for that team, and it was great fun. At Oregon State, when you think about how far since Title IX and the legislation enacted in 1972 and so on, and all of the great growth and the, the tremendous world of Oregon State athletics on the men's and women's side now, is it's wonderful to see. But when you were playing for Oregon State, were you essentially, I don't want to say coach-less per se, but less organization you had to get your practices in practice rounds sort of on your own is that accurate i mean were you pretty much responsible that is accurate yeah okay yes and uh, the where the tripping tree is now is where i spent a lot of time um down by the crew docks mm-hmm. hitting balls mm. um out of bad lies and that kind of stuff so there was a little kind of a range of sorts um, and the other, you know, the guys were playing Cravallis Country Club, um, which we couldn't play. So, um, I, I'm trying to think it may have been Pat Ingram with the women's department arranged something. I can't remember exactly who arranged, but then I would play that, uh, in, um, uh, Albany. Okay. So that's oh. where I practiced. Um, but but it's, it's all on your own. There were no organized practices. I just did my own thing. Do you think in any way, you know, as much as you talked about the value of playing the public course, the nine-hole course in Dundee where you grew up playing at Riverwood Golf Club, is there any value at all as in being on your own and being responsible for your workouts and your work, et cetera, did you, did that help home your game or would it have been better to have a greater structure to all that? Uh, no, I, I, for me personally, I think the being on my own because I'm quite, um, I'm, I'm driven in that. And then sometimes, you know, they, I mean, everybody's a little bit, different some thrive with the structure because they need that and they need someone else that they're working you know that's pushing them or uh, working with them or the other players but I, I was pretty self-driven so in in my case I I think it was to my advantage mm-hmm. okay. and uh, and I you know some kids it's it's, it's different for everyone of sure. course uh, and I'm sure you're familiar with that and other sports and how kids thrive in some settings and not sure. other settings. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but anyway, it's good for me. Dr. Mary Budke joining us here on this week's edition of the Beaver Sports Podcast. What, uh, tell us a little bit about your, your, uh, your medical career. Well, I, um, My, I, after I won the U.S. Amateur, I was named to the United States World Cup team. And that 
so I had decided to go into medicine, but that fall I took off from school and uh, went to Buenos Aires to play. So I had to put that off, and I, I uh, came back to school and I was a little bit behind. My first application to the medical school was declined, um, and I was probably short of some credits. Um, but I looked into, you know, would it be worthwhile to apply again? And I was told yes. So I got into medical school and started in 1976. And uh, I played a little bit in the summer, I think, after my freshman year. But after that, it, that that took over. So four years of school at the, well, what's now called the OHSU, I guess. It was University of Oregon Health Sciences Center mm -hmm. was the name when I was there. Um, the education was wonderful. And, and again, it was kind of like the Curtis Cup. I just loved all the, all the students who were in my class. And it um, was good training, very solid training here. Um, and I decided on uh, emergency medicine. Hmm. And uh, I did an internship in New York City. And then I came to L.A. County, USC, uh, 82 to 84, to do my residency. And that was, uh, you know, part of that was to have the, not be tied to a practice mm -hmm. and have some, you know, regular hours and some freedom to, uh, well, play golf or <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> do other things. Sure. <laughs> so, um that worked out quite well. I was somebody who would like to, I don't mind working nights or weekends so I can have my time off during the, during the week or whatever. So it, that, that has turned out to be a, a great career. Um, and I stayed in the L.A. area till I, and worked in Granada Hills mm -hmm. um, in the San Fernando Valley. I lived in South Pasadena for almost 10 years. Um, and through the earthquake, the Northridge earthquake, which was highly involved in my um, Granada Hills was right next to Northridge. So yes. um, that mm. was a huge part of my working life. And um, I think it was then that I decided not that I needed to leave Los Angeles or that job, but I knew that I could take my skills anywhere. And uh, my folks were aging a bit, and then I decided to move back to to Oregon. Mm -hmm. And I stayed with my folks and worked in McMinnville at their hospital. I started working in Carvallis at Carvallis Hospital, emergency room, um, with a friend from medical school who went to Oregon State, Dan Dale. And uh, then uh, I ended up in Eugene, if you can imagine. I, uh, <laughs> I lost. 15 years of work <laughs> at, at the Eugene Hospital. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a fascinating career. That uh, Northridge quake was in 91, wasn't it? And did you deal with with a lot of victims in, in, in emergency who had to come in after that event? Uh, yes, indeed. Um, yeah, oh, that, that's a long story in, it, yeah, in I bet. itself. Yeah, I was I was not at... Um, duty at the time of the earthquake, which was like 4.30 in the morning, um, 
And I thought, um, boy, it seemed like a big one. And mm -hmm. I, I thought, well, I'll call my hospital because that's where I know my way around. And that was that's probably a 25-minute drive. And they just said, we need everybody we can get, you know. Mm -hmm. So I, I got dressed and went in. I was there from essentially 6 a.m. till about 10 p.m. that night. And for a week, 10 days, it was, uh, it was chaotic but uh, gratifying. Yeah, to do to be able to help people it was 1994, actually, Doctor Bucky. It was that, yeah, I yeah, said 91. I I, I, my yeah. apologies. The, the, sometimes I get mixed up because January 1794 was followed by the Kobe earthquake, January 1795. Hmm. So mm -hmm. it was a curious thing, but yeah. Uh, well, that career, you know, you chose. Did you ever? Have any twinge ever of regret at all about not trying to go pro, or have you been peaceful about that in terms of the sport of golf? You know, about the only time I really thought about it, and, and, and I grew up thinking some of the best players at the time were were amateur players. I thought um, Mickey Wright was the best golfer I had ever seen in women's golf, but... I was not driven to play professionally, um, but I did think once I got into medical school, I had almost nine months. I don't know, maybe I could go try and make some money to try to get through <laughs> school, but I, that would have been uh, ridiculous. I, all I would have done was waste money. So I, I'm very happy having a career uh, outside of golf. I can't still can't imagine trying to make a living playing the game. Did you ever get to you did uh, like pro abs or anything because of your success yes. and your championships? Um, well, yes, and I played in three U.S. Opens, mm -hmm. and I played a lot of the Portland Classics with the pros. Mm -hmm. So the two two U.S. Opens, I made the cut. I think the best I ever did was seven in the U.S. Open, and that was the year after I'd won the amateur. So I played quite a quite a few times with the pros, and also the Portland Classic. So, uh, well, Doctor Budke, it's been a delight visiting with you. We I want to close just with a thought about uh, Oregon State and your experience there when you were a lot on your own. But it sounds like those were formative and important years, and your family has a it sounds like a long-time love and, and affection and devotion to Oregon State University and athletics. So in closing on this Beaver Sports podcast, what has Oregon State and its place in your life meant to you and, and being in the Pac-12 Hall of Honor coming up here in a couple of weeks? I guess I just sort of in closing, your thoughts about Oregon State University. Well, uh I'm getting up there in years, <laughs> but, but you always reflect back or are taken back to the, those formative years, both before I went to school there, because my family had influenced me so much, and and I became such a, a Beaver fan, and yet it was still all about an education. Um, I, I love the kind of 
blue-collar aspect a bit of, of Oregon State. Um, and that's maybe that doesn't sound quite right, but I, I just like to dig in and get the work done mentality, and that's the, the way I feel about um, Oregon State. Um, so it's it's just it's just part of your being and your blood, and uh, for that to be honored by the university in this way uh, is very special. Well, well deserved, and congratulations to you. March the third, the induction ceremony taking place ahead of the semifinals of the Pac-12 Women's Basketball Tournament. Dr. Mary Budke of Oregon State, honored with this uh, first time ever in the history of the Hall of Honor. All-female class and our own Dr. Mary Budke, part of it. Dr. Budke, it's been an honor to visit with you and to meet you. Thank you for taking time for us. We hope you have a, a great time in Vegas. It's easy to lure friends over when it's Vegas, so we hope you and your friends have a great time down there. Thanks for making. We intend to have a good time. <laughs> good for you. Thank you. Thank you for making time for us. That's Dr. Mary wow. Budke, our guest on this week's edition of the Beaver Sports. Highly, Podcast. highly decorated. What an amazing life and story she's had. Well, and I was thinking with such a great, you know, uh, resume of of golf championships and and you know amateurs and everything that she did. And then goes into medicine and becomes an emergency room doctor. I couldn't help but think of Moonlight Graham from Field of That's Dreams. That's a great analogy, Doc. A tremendous analogy, too. Well, you know what? I wouldn't give it up. Right. I would have given it up for one, you know. In other words, medicine was more important than one at-bat. Right. And she brings up that seminal event in her life and career, the 94 Northridge quake. And I'm sure many thoughts have come to her mind recently when she's looked at the devastation in Turkey and Syria, and remembering when yeah. she was on the front yeah. lines, that uh, devastating quake in L.A. in 94, a delightful conversation with a true pioneer in Oregon State women's athletics and one of the more decorated athletes, the 1972 winner in a time when uh, it, women at that point, the eight-time Oregon amateur champion was the recipient of the Bill Hayward Award as, as uh, Oregon's top amateur athlete in 1972, the lone woman and one of only three golfers to be honored in the history of that award as uh, it was presented in 1972. So our thanks to Dr. Mary Budke. And for your next mentor career opportunity, glowing reference or introduction on the Oregon State University Beavers only networking platform, OSU Connections, we encourage you as one of the sponsors of this podcast. You can enhance your own Beaver network and advance your career by getting started at osuconnections.org. And as always, Toyota is all over the sponsorship, John, of these events that we get to participate in with people such as Mary Budke. Well, Toyota dealers have uh, created the first ever official fan club for your favorite pet, Vanny's Buddies. Each member gets an official social media filter and Toyota and Oregon State will be giving away collars, leashes, treats, toys, so much more. So sign up your pet today at osubeavers.com slash Benny's Buddies. And before we wrap things up, I want to thank the Oregon State eCampus for making uh, opportunities possible to further educational uh, chances. You can uh, move up your own career by earning an Oregon State degree 
online with over 100 programs available, business, computer science, natural resources. Explore them all at ecampus.oregonstate.edu. And finally, again, thanks to Toyota. Make sure with all of the big activities that are going on that you have the OSU Beavers mobile app presented for free in the Apple App Store and Google Play Store and presented by your local Toyota dealers. Download it now. OSU Beavers mobile. It will enhance your fan experience at Oregon State. That's going to do it for us this week. Thanks for joining us. Mike Parker for John Warren and Dr. Mary Budke on this week's edition of the Beaver Sports Podcast. So long, everybody. This has been the Beaver Sports Podcast, presented by the Fearless Campaign in partnership with Toyota. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation on the Beaver Sports Network.